The reading from the Bible today is from the book of Luke, chapter 13, verses 1 through 9, and it's on page 906 in the Bible in the pews. There were some present at the very time who told him of the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices, and he answered them, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered thus? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18 upon upon whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And he told this parable, a man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the vine dresser, lo, these three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I found none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, let it alone, sir. This year also till I dig it up, about it and put man, put on manure, and it bears fr- and if it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. Blessed be the word of the Lord. If you were to look in the New International Version of the Bible at the heading right before the reading of this, before this comes in here, it says, "Repent or perish." And, you know, as a, as a bleeding heart liberal, I get a little nervous about passages like that. You know, repent or perish. <laughs> uh, we get a little uneasy about those kinds of things. But I can't help but see that ultimately this passage is indeed a call to repent. And quite frankly, I'm a big fan of repentance. I've, uh, I've utilized that particular gift Jesus offers us so many times over the years that it's uh, become second nature, really, to repent after a while. And the invitation to turn away from the things that conspire to bleed me of my life and turning me toward the things that give me life, I'm all for that. And I have found that to be an important part of my own faith journey and my own faith discipline. But it's the parish part that I kind of get a little nervous about. And so this morning I want to really explore what it is Jesus is inviting us into with the telling of this story and the telling of this parable. And of course the first thing I need to, to point out is that Here, Jesus again, as we've been discovering over the last few weeks, Jesus again is confronting the Pharisees in their own hypocrisy. And these Pharisees, the keepers of the law, they've been standing by and listening to Jesus talk to the masses. They've been enjoying his uh, eloquent preaching and Jesus, before this passage, has been talking about sin. And I can kind of picture this conversation that Jesus might have had with the Pharisees in regard to this. Jesus, who's been 
talking some pretty harsh words about interpreting the times and about God's kingdom being at hand. And the people begin to find significance as they look around and they see some recent local tragedies. And so they're listening to Jesus and they might be sitting there saying to themselves, yeah, Jesus, you know, I know what you mean. The times, they are getting crazy. I don't know what's happened to this world. It's, it's gone off in a handbasket, you know. And these people in Galilee, they got slaughtered by Pilate's soldiers during the religious rituals. It must be like the end of the world is coming. And I don't know what they were doing, but they sure got God's judgment on them. And those 18 people killed when the tower fell... You know, I always suspected that crowd of being sinful, and this, this here confirms it. I'm sure they got God's judgment on them. I can, I can hear people saying these, these kinds of things. Uh, I'm so glad I'm not a sinner like them. You preach it, Jesus. You tell us what sin is really like, and you, you point to those people. You tell them what it's like. They needed to hear this message, Jesus. Now, I can picture this conversation because I've had these conversations (laughs) quite a bit. Pastor, you know, I know someone who needs to hear those words, that sermon you preached. I really know someone that could use that kind of talk. Or, Pastor, I wish you would talk about this because you know what? Those people really need to hear some of that. See, another preacher's laughing, right? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> what is really, you know, I, I wish you would just talk about this because they really need to hear it. You need to talk more about sin because those folks need to hear about sin. And what is really being said is that the message you are saying, Pastor Curtis, what the message you're saying, Jesus, doesn't really apply to me. It applies to them. And thank goodness you're finally talking to them because they needed to be talked to. And it is this air of superiority, I believe, that prompts Jesus to just go off, which Jesus is prone to do. If you were to read the Bible closely, you see that Jesus loses his cool a lot. (laughs) And Jesus goes off here. You think God favors you because there is not tragedy in your life? Be careful with that because you have as much to repent from as anyone. You think the judgment comes in this way? You think God kills people, makes towers fall on them because they're bad people? I tell you, the judgment God brings may be something that you don't even recognize. So be careful. Whatever the case. If this message is not received, again, this is Jesus. If this message is not received and you do not begin to embrace the transformation God is offering you, then what good is God to you? God's judgment is already on you. And to make his point, Jesus calls on a parable. The owner of the vineyard plants a fig tree. And after three years, the tree bears no fruit. And the owner thinks it's dead, and he resolves to cut it down. After all, what good is it? What possible good could it be? 
And here is where the parable takes an interesting turn. Jesus says, but the gardener pleads with the owner. Let me try to nurture it for another year. Let me throw some manure on it. Let me give it some water. Let me give it some sunlight. Let me prune it a little bit. And let's see if it begins to bear fruit. In other words, the gardener wanted to give it one more chance. Let's give it another chance. And there's no giving, getting around the fact that this is a call from Christ to turn away from, uh, from all that which draws us away from our higher selves. To turn away from our sin. And where the confusion is for the Pharisees who are listening in on this, and perhaps for even many of us, is exactly what is that sin that Jesus is talking about. Because i got to tell you that the Pharisees are, not, are getting this speech not because they weren't followers of the law. Boy, they were great followers of the law. They knew the law inside and out, and they followed it to the T. They did everything right. It's not, this is not their sin, breaking the law. They are not receiving this speech because they failed to go to temple, or because they didn't dress properly, or because they didn't give a proper tithe. These guys tithed. They gave 10%, and then they added another 1% just to be sure. They were on top of all that. They followed the food laws. They went to temple regularly. And they bragged about it to their friends. They were not receiving this speech because they are bad people. Or because they were doing something wrong, you know. Uh, all, those, all those things we think of when we think of sin, you know. They weren't drinking excessively. They weren't out carousing around in the night. They weren't doing things they shouldn't be doing, at least that we know of anyway. They weren't bad people. And they, they didn't do bad things. This speech was not because of any of these things. They got this speech because they received the gifts of God and chose to do nothing with it. They had known the love of God and they held it to themselves and squandered their energy passing judgment on everyone else. In, in addition to all these wonderful things they do, going to temple, doing everything right, one of the things that made them feel pretty good about themselves was observing how everyone else did everything wrong. And that was just the cherry on top of the sundae for them, right? Their sin was not sharing their lives in a way that made a difference, in a way that invited people into new life, that invited people into a, a relationship with God. God's love is transformational, regenerational, and miraculous. And these guys locked it away in their dogma and refused to let it transform, let it renew. Who wouldn't? perish under such circumstances with the weight of this judgment beating down on top of them. And the sad part of it was that the Pharisees could not even see their own fruitlessness. The crux of this story is that Jesus is inviting not only the real obvious sinners to repentance, 
those who are out engaging in sex, drugs, and rock and roll, the tax collectors, the prostitutes. He is also calling on the good people to repent as well, to repent of their sin, or they will perish. Not in the fiery pits of hell like we would like to imagine, but here and now as they lose out on all that God is doing in their midst. You know, it's so much easier to convince a real good sinner, someone who's really wallowed in their sin, who's really known what it is to, to debase themselves and to give over to their lowest self. It's so much easier to convince them that they need new life in Christ. Sometimes it's hardest to convince the good people that Jesus is needed in their life as well. But Jesus extends this invitation because what repentance does is opens up an avenue for Christ to be in the midst of even the messiest part of our lives and even the mundane parts of our lives. In the parable, we see the gardener standing between the owner and the fig tree. And it's easy to see how we get this image of Christ being the intermediary between ourselves and God, standing in between. But the standing in between comes with a promise. I will care for this tree. I will nurture it. I will help it grow. I will throw a little manure on it in the hopes of seeing it come back to life. And Jesus here, for you and me, takes on the responsibility of helping us to grow. Repentance is the invitation we make to Christ to do just that. Right? At the end of the day, even when we struggle to see that a fruit-bearing life is the only real life. We don't have to do it alone. Jesus is there to nurture us into it. Even when we seem dead, Jesus will put in the time and the effort to bring us back to life. That is what repentance is all about. It's not trying to be perfect. It's not going before the throne of God and saying, I am so awful, I am so unworthy, I am so unrighteous, I will go back and try again and then come back when I'm worthy. Jesus never asks that of us. Jesus says, let me help you. I know you're struggling. I know you don't feel good. I know you don't feel right. Let me help you. Invite me in and I will nurture you. I will work the soil. I will water you and bring you back to life. Repentance is inviting Jesus into that kind of deep, meaningful relationship. A fig tree grows not because the tree wills it, 
but by the receiving of the gifts that are given to it, the sun, the water, the fertilizer. These are what brings the fruit. Christ's call to repentance is one that says, stop thinking that you can do it without me. Stop thinking that I want you to do it without me. Stop trying to be so good before you come and see me. Stop trying to handle it all on your own and running away from me. Take what I give you. Take what I have promised. Take what I am offering and you will grow strong and you will blossom and you will bear fruit. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, you have called us in so many ways into a life of repentance. May we, God, add this wonderful discipline to our own lives, knowing that what you are calling us to is to a relationship, is to a partnership, whereby we receive your gifts that help us to grow into the person you created us to be, the person we long to be. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.